Hello everybody, welcome to Draco's Den. It's episode 10, and this episode might piss a few people off, but I'm in the mood for it because the topic pissed me off when it came across my timeline, so I figured I would go ahead and discuss it and piss some other people off. So today's topic is going to be dealing with people that don't have kids, trying to give you advice on how to raise your kids. This is the most aggravating, irritating shit in the world. And to be more specific, these are the people that not only don't have kids, don't raise kids, meaning they're not helping their friends raise their kids, they're not helping family raise their kids. These people don't even babysit, but they want to tell you how you're raising your kid is wrong. And I'm going to go ahead and give y'all some background on how this particular topic even came up. So let's go ahead and get into it. So this idea came to me as I was scrolling on Facebook a few days ago, like five, six days ago, whatever the hell. I'm scrolling on Facebook. I come across a status and I'm going to read the status to you. And I'm going to tell you that it's my brother that posted it because he's not going to care that I mentioned that he's the one that posted it. I'm not going to give his name. But my brother says, <clears throat> if you don't have kids, never intend to have kids, don't help your friends raise theirs, and you play no role in said children's life lives, any opinion you have is irrelevant. If the kids aren't in danger and they're not being neglected, shut the fuck up and keep it pushing. Okay. So, I agreed with that statement. And normally, I would have kept it pushing. But, you know, sometimes you could see that, that one comment on a status as, as you're scrolling even on your phone. And it's the one person needs to shut the fuck up, right? So we have somebody that decides to disagree with this. Saying that you don't have to have kids to point out child abuse. Okay. We're valid here. But then they say if they find out that you're spanking your kids, they're calling CFS. Now see, this here pissed me off. Now... You can go back and forth on whether you think it's appropriate to spank children, whoop children, whichever phrasing you use for it. But here's the thing. If you want to threaten to call children and family services on somebody, you should probably learn the fucking laws in your state before you make that little threat. Because we live in Missouri. And I have news for people that live in Missouri. It's actually illegal to spank your kids here. Operative word, spank. Okay. Now, there's a difference between spanking with your hand, a paddle, a lighter belt versus beating your child with an extension cord or a wire hanger or a switch. Those are actually abuse. And yes, children's division will get involved. Yes, they will take your kids because they can see marks left on your children. Okay, that's different. However, the actual act of spanking, a few swats on the bottom, a swat on the hand is not actually illegal here. And to call Children's Division with that is a waste of their time because they're not doing anything. So you just wasted their time. You wasted our, our money that pays them for them to come investigate something that you should have stuck, kept your fucking business out of. Here's the deal. Everybody has different methods for, you know, discipline. Do I spank my children? Yes. Do I spank them often? No. The children that I've helped raise, some of them have never gotten one. My oldest one has only gotten four in her life, and she's 15. 
I have other methods of discipline. I have other methods that work with each child and I tailor my discipline to each child. Some children, I can raise my voice two octaves and they cry and get the point and don't do whatever I told them not to do again. Some children are hard-headed and they will do what I told them not to do until I react. It just depends on the kid. However, my thing is this. This person that commented on this does not have kids, does not want kids, does not babysit kids, does not play any role in any children's lives, has no idea the struggles that we face to raise children. Okay? So for you to come in and just automatically say, well, if I see you spank your child, I'm going to call CFS. Well, you would be upset if I said, well, if I get CFS called on me because I spanked my child in front of somebody, I know who's asked to be after Children's Division leaves my home. You would say I was wrong for that, and then I'm being violent. But you're interfering in things that don't belong, that don't concern you. There's a difference. If you see somebody abusing a child, you, meaning you saw them grab the extension cord and decide to whoop them like a slave, by all means, yes, interfere, whether you got kids or not, that's abuse. But if you just see a parent such as myself with a toddler who did something they're not supposed to do and they get two quick swats on their ass, Shut your dumb ass up. Take your ass over there because you don't, you have no idea what the fuck I'm going through. But it goes a little further than this. Because some people that have this, this feeling feel like they know what, what it's like to raise a kid because they have fur babies, pets. And I was talking to my best friend the other night and she brought up a valid point because she disagrees with that notion that your fur babies are, are like kids because they're not. Yeah, they're needy. Yeah, you have to feed them, you know, bathe them and take them for walks. There's a key difference between your fur baby and my real baby. My real baby talks back. My real baby talks shit. My real baby can be actively defiant. Like on purpose, not as in they don't know any better, but as in, oh, I know I wasn't supposed to do this, but I'm fucking do it anyway. Your fur baby gets that trained out of them a lot easier than a child does. We deal with more psychological development. You know, I'm actually having to explain right from wrong to a child. You don't have to explain that to a damn dog. It doesn't understand what you're saying. There's a difference. The level of stress that I get from raising a kid is nothing like what you get from raising a damn dog or a cat. Okay, your, your stress level with them is, oh, they're pissed on the rug again. Mine is that my my eight-year-old went through his room and made it look like a tornado in the middle of tornado season dropped down in the middle of the Midwest. There's a difference. Or my eight-year-old misbehaves in school. Tell me, how often do you as a, as a pet owner have to leave work early because your child is either sick or got suspended Or is just acting out in school. You don't. Because your fucking pet probably doesn't go to school. Even if they go to pet school, it's not an everyday thing. It's not like they got to do this shit for 18 years. They don't get suspended. There's a different level of stress. So it's not the same. And you can't really equate them as the same. It's two totally different things. Now, I understand some people choose to, to raise fur babies instead of children. Yes, and I'm okay with that. Just don't compare your struggle to, uh, to mine as an actual parent of a child, of a human 
child. A back-talking, smart-mouthed, smart-ass human child. That is sometimes mirroring my own personality, and I have to discipline the me out of this child, and I even have to do that with foster children, despite the fact I didn't birth them. Happens. Now, some of the more uh, less informed people may be wondering, well, you say that a person that doesn't have kids shouldn't tell you how to raise yours, and I'm going to stand by that statement. But there are times where you may not have children, but I ask you for your opinion on something. I don't ask a, a childless person for info on how they think I should discipline my child because fuck you, you don't, you don't get to, to come in on that one and you don't know what it's like to discipline a child. No, no, no. But what I may ask for help for is if I know I have a friend who has been through a certain situation as a child, especially abuse or neglect or anything like that, and, you know, they had to work their way out of that. I may ask them for advice on, hey, I know you went through situations such as I do have friends who've been raped or sexually assaulted. Okay, I might ask them, you know, what helped you as a kid? You know, what did your parent do that actually helped you try to work through this? What did they do that hurt you? You know, things like that. I might ask for your advice on that. That's fine because I asked for your advice. That's just because you have an experience that I can relate to something that maybe a child that I'm caring for has gone through and I want your advice or the input of somebody that's been through it to see how best to handle it. Now keep in mind, I'm a victim of sexual assault myself, so it's very, if I ask for an opinion on that one, it's just because I want a different perspective. Um, and I have my own experiences, but not everybody's is the same. So, but I, you know, also if you know you were just a victim of physical abuse in the home, Maybe you were abused by your dad and your mom had to intervene and blah, blah, blah. I, you know, my kids are all abuse victims. So I might ask, you know, what were some things that helped you move past that? What made you, you know, where afterwards were you extremely jumpy all the time? What did your mom or foster parent or adoptive parent do that helped you relax and become less jumpy or something like that? I'll ask for that type of stuff. But when it comes to you know, the everyday discipline and raising of a child, I'm not likely to ask a, a person who has no kids and don't want kids and don't get, don't stay involved with kids at all. I'm not likely to ask you for your opinion. And I don't think you should freaking volunteer it if I didn't ask for it. You know? So, if you're asked for advice, then offer advice. But if you're not asked for it and there's no actual abuse going on, you know, there's there's really no need for you to get involved with someone else's business. And this person loves to be contradictory that commented on my brother's status and loves to argue. And essentially, we have discussions like this with this person like every year, at least. And my sister probably phrased it best when she told him, you know, I see you're minding parents' business again. What's that mean? That means that this person who's not a parent, never been a parent, doesn't intend to be a parent, is involving themselves in situations that parents have to deal with. And the status wasn't a, as he made the accusation, it wasn't a way of covering up for shitty parenting. You know, we're not covering for the people that abuse their child. We're not covering for the ones that beat with the extension cords. We're not covering for the sexual assault people. We're not, you know, covering for the 
mentally abusive ones. You know, the ones that call their children everything but a child of God. We, that, that's not the type of parenting that's being defended here. We don't defend those. Those are abuse. That, that is abuse. But for a, a, a parent that's actually doing what they're supposed to do, they're not verbally abusing their children. And I don't just mean yelling because we all yell at our kids here and there. You know, but we're not degrading our children. We're not beating them within an inch of their life. You know, we're not leaving welts and scars and breaking bones and all that. We're not making trips to hospitals. Those are the parents that are being defended in this particular status. The normal ones. The ones that are just trying to get by every day. The ones that are just trying to make it through and raise functional members of society. Right? And it's like, you know, it's different when I get unsolicited advice from my mom, right? Because mom raised me. And I don't know about y'all's mom, but my mom is going to interject her opinion whenever she feel like it. And she don't give a damn if I don't like it or not, because if she feels like I need some help here, she going to interject her opinion, which is fine. Because guess what? This woman raised me. I'm 32 years old. So... And more often than not, when I need advice on a parenting situation, I'm going to go ask her first because that's who raised me. And I like to think I turned out halfway decent, maybe a little bit crazy, but I turned out pretty good. So I'm going to ask who I know is, is in my mind, a starting example of parenthood. I'm not going to ask this moron on my friend list or on Facebook that doesn't know a damn thing about raising kids. Hell, as a matter of fact, this particular person I don't think knows a damn thing about even raising a pet. People like this don't understand. I'm responsible for a life here. I'm responsible for raising and molding this child and, and preparing them for the world. And I raise, I'm, I'm black, I raise black children. Half black in one case, but black is black, apparently. So I have the unenviable task of raising black boys into black men. I have to have discussions with them that my white friends don't have to have with their kids. I have to have discussions with them about how to behave when they're pulled over by police or stopped by police if they're walking on a sidewalk. I have to have discussions with them about the things that they see in the news that happen to other black boys at similar ages of them. I have an eight-year-old and I have a 13-year-old. You know, I have to have discussions with them about their behavior and like, look, you know, you can't do everything you see others do because what they get away with, you won't. What they get away with, you might be shot for. I have to instill these values in them, and then I want them to be functioning, emotionally stable black men. I don't want to raise abusive men. I don't want to raise the, the womanizing men, the ones that can't be faithful to any woman at any point in their life. I'm, that's not what I'm trying to raise. And I'm trying to make sure that they also aren't the type of men that think that they have to have a woman to take care of home because they can't do it themselves. No, my children need to be taught how to do their own laundry, how to wash dishes, which for the record, they know how to do already. The eight-year-old kind of can't reach over the washer, so he's not exactly doing his own laundry, but he can wash dishes. He knows how to take out trash, he knows how to sweep floors, he knows how to clean bathrooms and tubs and, and, and sweep, mop, all that stuff. Basic human things that I find that, and I've had a couple of teenagers, and my teenagers did not know how to do. They don't know how to cook for themselves. One of them didn't believe he had to wash dishes. He learned the hard way that, yes, he did have to learn how to wash dishes. 
he had it in his mind that when he get a girl, in his words, that would be what he's for. These are things that I'm trying to teach my younger children. That's not how the world works. In addition to that, I have to teach them the basic right from wrong. Hey, this stealing thing you're doing here, that's wrong morally, it's wrong legally, it's wrong ethically. You know, all these little small lessons and major lessons. I have to have all these discussions. So for someone to come in and tell me, well, I you can't spank your child or you can't, if I catch you yelling at them or if I think you're being this or that, okay, here's the deal. You're not going to hear me be transphobic towards my children. I'm a trans ally. You're not going to hear me be homophobic. I'm bisexual. So those forms of abuse, th th those don't come out. And I'm raising straight children. Like both of my boys are straight. And I know this. It's, I, I, you know, you kind of see those signs pretty early. If at some point they come out down the road, it would surprise the hell out of me. But it doesn't matter to me either way. I am... Doing what I can do to teach them right from wrong, and being that I have children that have additional struggles from being in foster care, from being abused, physically, mentally, possibly sexually, I have to do things in a different way. Now, the, the other flip side of this is I also hate the people who don't have kids that want to tell me that I need to whoop my child's ass. See, because here's the thing that the, the flip side of these people don't understand. Not everything that a child does warrants such a reaction. First off, every child is, is different, so your methods of discipline will vary at least slightly with each child if you're doing it right, because you have to figure out what works. So for some children, that spanking one time for one incident gets them to never do it again. For some children, you can spank them all you want, and they're going to continue to do it because they have the mentality of, I'm going to do what I want when I want, and I'm going to suffer this consequence. So you have to get creative with their punishments. So, and then I raise an autistic child. So if you see me out in public, first off, he's big at this point in his life. He, he's too big for me to really grab a paddle, a belt, or, or swat on the butt in my hand. He's 13 years old. I'm five foot nine, five foot ten. He's at least five foot five, five foot six, and a good 150, 160. What the hell do you think? If he throws a tantrum in a store, do you honestly think me grabbing a belt is going to do much of anything? No, it's not. My method of discipline for him is going to be different. So for someone who does not have kids to say, well, you don't know how to whoop your kids because that's what they're used to is equally as insensitive. That doesn't work with my autistic child. That that association with pain, it worked a little bit when he was younger, maybe for somebody. Oh, I've only had him for two years. But at this point in his life, that's not how I have to discipline him. And even with the eight-year-old. Some things don't warrant that. Sometimes we're in a situation where he's done something wrong and he legitimately doesn't understand why that's wrong. Or he's reacting instinctually to something. So he reacts instinctually to certain needs, i.e., I'm hungry. Now, does he normally come in and ask me, well, can I have something to eat? Absolutely. But will he occasionally take his ass in the kitchen in the middle of the night and grab junk food? Yes, he will. When you delve a little deeper, you figure out there's a reason behind that. Keep in mind, I've only had this one for a year. There's a reason for what they do, and 
in this case, a spanking, a whooping, whatever you want to call it, is not really necessary for, so to tell me, oh, well, my mama would have whooped me. Yes, but you were raised in a neurotypical home. And you were just taking what you want because you wanted it, whereas in this case, it's still a survival instinct from years of abuse and neglect. Instead, and yes, he does get disciplined, however, not in that way. The overall arching point here is don't tell me how to damn discipline my kids if you don't fucking have any. You don't have kids. You have no idea. Especially in my case, when I'm dealing with raising children that were technically birthed by someone else, and I'm coming in late in their lives, you don't get to tell me how to discipline them. That's for me to figure out, for me to work out. Now, that being said, by all means, if you see me in the store with my 13 year old, he don't fell out on the floor and had a damn tantrum because I wouldn't buy him some damn candy. I mean, more than likely, you're going to see me standing there looking at him like, are you done yet? I mean, if you feel the need, feel free to, you know, bring security over. Let them come handle it because I'm not. I, but that that's the thing. I know what I'm dealing with at that point, And I know I'm not going to cave into this and I'm not just going to give him what he wants just to make him stop. No. And I also know that, you know, depending on how escalated he gets, it can evolve, you know, to where he gets a little violent. By all means, call the popos on that point. I'm going to defend myself regardless. And and after I'm done, he's laid out on the floor, then sure, I, I'll have to go ahead and call them too. But if you want to call in the middle of it so we don't reach that point, that's an okay time to interfere. That that doesn't require any parenting. That just, you see that, you know, this big ass child coming at me, or coming at you, or coming at somebody else, by all means, interfere a little bit there. But if he's just on the floor, throwing tantrum, or you see him saying a few choice words, eh, keep it pushing. You didn't really know what I was going through, and more than likely, I already know how to de-escalate the situation, and I'm already working on it. I'm working on it by ignoring the hell out of him. But these, these are things that I'm used to dealing with. So, I mean, I guess in short, really here the point is, mind your business. If it's not hurting you and it's not hurting the kid, don't come tell me how to raise my kid. You stay over there in your child-free world that you want to continue to be child-free. You worry about you and your life situation. Let those of us that are parents worry about our situation. Let us worry about how we're raising our kids. If, if you're not seeing something that you know for a fact is illegal, you know is abuse, like it looks like assault, mind your business. That's the key thing. Mind your business. Don't come telling me how to do what you don't know how to do. All right, now, since we're on the subject of kids, which has been the subject of my last couple of shows, I had a question from the last show talking about, you know, raising my children with special needs. And the question is, how is it that the 13-year-old can't get a consistent mental reading? Is it bad psychologist? Whew, this is a long, long answer here, and I'm going to try not to make it terribly long, but without giving too much history, but let's backtrack a little bit here. Remember that I said my 13-year-old has been in care since he was about four. When he came into care, he didn't have a diagnosis at all. Keep in mind, he's autistic. 
but this had not been diagnosed because the bio family, the person that was raising him was older. And a lot of times with the elderly generation, they are less likely to assume something is actually a mental condition and just assume it's a bad child. So for four years of his life, he was actually being traumatized repeatedly in multiple ways. Some suspected, some confirmed. You know, he's been literally caged like an animal. Um, which some people that knew the family don't exactly agree with, but it's documented, proven, and confirmed by the person that had custody of him that, yes, they caged him like an animal. Um, you know, he was subject to racist remarks because he, my 13-year-old is half white, half black. And he was raised by the white side of the family for the first four years. So he was subject to some very racist remarks. He was referred to as a monkey. Um, and, you know, he was autistic and not being treated. And no one attempted to get him treatment. So he's violent. He, he was very violent. Because he knew no other way to express himself. He was not potty trained until he came into care. Um, which did some physical damage as well as psychological damage. And is, is a continued issue that we have with him now. But then once he comes into care. I think he, I was told he was with his first home for like a year. And they were good. By all accounts, they, they were good parents, but they were elderly. And when they made the decision to retire... He couldn't go along with that one. Thus began the cycle of him bouncing from home to home to home. My child tells us that he's been, and by his recollection, he does have a fairly good memory, but he might be underestimating considering his age. He says he's been in over 20 homes. Accurate, but that number sounds kind of low to me from going through his file. Um, he has been moved around a lot, too. So I live in St. Louis County. In Missouri. He's been all over Missouri. He's been in Jeff. His case is in Jefferson County. He's lived, you know, in St. Charles, Missouri, O'Fallon, Missouri. Uh, I want to say he's been down in Union, Missouri. He's been all over here. Part of the problem with his psychological care is because he's been bounced to different parts of Missouri. You know, his case is in one section, but it's so hard to find someone that would take him with his issues that he's been bounced around. So he's been in St. Louis City, he's been in St. Louis County, he's been in St. Charles County, he's been in O'Fallon, he's been in St. Peter's, he's been back to Jefferson County, he's been in Rock Hill, Missouri, he's been, now he's in Columbia, Missouri. He's been bounced around so much that he can't get consistent mental care, really. And each doctor that does a psychological evaluation on him basically comes in with only the knowledge of, okay, well, we know he's diagnosed as, as being on the autism spectrum, right? Well, then they have to work from there. And some part of the problem is some of the psychologists are not necessarily trained in what the hell is autism. Like they know what it is, but they don't really know how to treat it and how to keep that in mind as they make the additional diagnosis. So he's been given a bunch of other diagnoses. And then they do factor in some of the family history and say, like, okay, well, he does have these. So like his birth mom, I think was definitely was bipolar. Well, at one point my child was diagnosed as bipolar. Was it accurate? Eh? It might seem that way, but 
how much is of that, you know, where does the line end? Where is it just an autism behavior and where is it a bipolar one? And then they, they gave him ADHD, or they said he, he has ADHD, and they still say that one. That, that diagnosis, I think, has been kept. And I can see that one. You know, the difficulties sometimes paying attention, the hyperactiveness. Okay, yeah, okay. All right, we, we kind of let that one slide. But then they add on other things. Okay, well, he has a narcissistic personality disorder. Okay, but does he really? Or does he just, you know, is he just so detached from years of bouncing from home to home for feeling like people don't want him and, you know, being called names, uh, being made fun of, being teased? How much is just, you know, he's shut himself down and doesn't want to connect? Does he have an attachment disorder? Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. Um, different psychologists just end up forming different diagnoses of him. And then, like now, he's in a residential facility. And I think one of the therapists kind of diagnosed him, uh, I think this last time, with the narcissistic personality disorder because he has an attachment to material items and is very concerned with himself and seems to be less concerned with the others around him. Well... The people that are around him aren't family, aren't trying to be family. You know, he can understand the difference between a parental figure such as myself versus staff members at a facility who are doing what they're paid to do, not necessarily what they want to do. Yeah, they chose the career path, sure, but it's still a job. And that's not to say everybody that works in a residential care just doesn't give a crap, but that's the way that it might seem to somebody like him. Like, okay, well, you're just doing this because somebody pays you to do it. You're not doing it because you actually care about me or you want to care about me. You're just doing what you have to do. Um, then there is, you know, the inconsistency from the case management, him being a foster child. And having a couple of different caseworkers and, you know, he has an extensive file. His file is like three boxes. Three boxes full of paperwork detailing everything since he's come into care. Everything that was told to them about the abuse that, you know, happened before coming into care. Every time he's moved, every letter from a residential facility, every letter from a family member to him, everything that is paper documented is in this file. Well, you can't really transport three different, you know, three boxes every time you have to take him to get a psychological evaluation. However, you can shorten up the file. And sometimes maybe things got left out that would help factor in his diagnosis. You know, they need to know, the psychologists or psychiatrists, whatever, need to know the full extent of the abuse, neglect, and so on that we know he suffered. They need to know some of the things that we suspect and can't confirm he suffered. They need to know about previous diagnoses. They need to know why that, you know, previous psychologist or doctor made this diagnosis. Was he actually tested for this diagnosis or did a, somebody just look at him, talk to him for five minutes and say, okay, well, this is what he has. When you bounce him around from 
place to place, from doctor to doctor, and their systems aren't necessarily connected, and you don't always have the full file because when you moved them from the last one, you forgot to get a copy of that evaluation or that medical transcript or whatever, and you're... Some areas of Missouri are horrible at keeping records and are horrible at responding to requests to send records. So sometimes those previous evaluations have gotten lost. Or, you know, the previous notes and stuff like that. Some of those things have gotten lost. And so when it comes to new one, they're starting fresh and they're going by what they think they know. On an occasion or two, you know, someone has missed the fact that he is on the autism spectrum. The, the facility is in now. Swears up and down that they weren't told when they admitted him last year in July that he was autistic. And they definitely were. It was definitely on his intake paperwork. Have the proof to show it. But the idiot that manages his case neglected to tell anybody that's actually responsible for his therapy. And this is the, the idiot that manages his case for the facility, not the idiot that managed his case for the state of Missouri, because it's another idiot. Well, it used to be an idiot. It's got a new one now. Definitely a lot better. But when you add all of that up, you get a lot of different diagnoses. And... and from my own experience taking him to a psychiatrist, they tend to throw things at the wall sometimes. Just whatever they can think of, they are throwing at the wall trying to see what sticks. And it was a problem that I had with him because I felt that at the time he was on too, too many different medications. And I knew for a fact because I've worked previously as a pharmacy tech twice in two different companies. I've been a pharmacy tech and have had to kind of know the basics on, on certain medications and what they do. And at the time that I had him, they had him on three different medications that treat the exact same condition and none of them were working. And I complained about this at the time and I got pushback from his state case manager because she felt, well, this is the most stable he's ever been. Okay, but you don't live with him. So I'm telling you, he's not fucking stable, you goddamn moron. And he needs to be off these medications because I can list these three medications. Don't ask me what they were now because this is over a year and a half ago. But these three medications, and I remember distinctly, it was three different medications. These all do the same thing. I want him off at least two of them. Because they all treat the exact same condition. And they're not helping each other. It's not helping that particular condition. And if it's not helping, why are we giving it to him? Why are we flooding his body with these chemicals that are all supposed to do the same thing, but now we're overloading it to the point where his brain is like, well, screw it. I'm, I'm not going to do it anyway. There's been years of his treatment that have been that. And then you have this person who's not a medical professional and really was a half-assed worker at best. And she was just so determined to get him placed somewhere. And she's just like, well, he's been stable on this mixture of meds. Okay, well, keep in mind, moron, that a child like him is also going through puberty. Because at the time that I had him, he was 11. He had just entering puberty. Well, puberty fucks up your body a little bit. So things that worked before puberty, medications that worked before puberty when you've been on medication all this time, stop working when you enter puberty because your body is changing. And I was telling her that at the time, and she argued. And I'm trying to get to the psychiatrist. I'm like, dude, take him off these meds. And then I hospitalize him, and finally I get somebody listening. I'm like, hey, 
these three meds do the same thing. Take him off them. Find or find something to you know to treat the condition. But why does he have to have these four meds to do the same damn thing? And so finally, why he's in there because I've had to hospitalize him. Now someone says, "Yo, these these medicines do the same thing. We're taking him off these." I had to hospitalize him just to get him off of meds that did the same thing. And then his psychiatrist didn't go see him, even though the psychiatrist works at that hospital that I hospitalized him in. So there's there's a lack of communication even there, where they're not... His actual primary psychiatrist is not communicating with the behavioral unit doctor to say, hey, okay, these these I'm taking him off these meds, and this is why. And, and of course, the doc, if the doctor really wanted him on those meds, he could have been there saying, hey, well, I put him on these meds for this reason, and I think he should stay on them, and they can work that out. But that's not what happened. Just... There have been constant med shifts with him. Like sometimes, you know, you know, of course they start him off on one and then it escalated up and he was up on seven meds, then they took him down to five, then they took him down to three. Now he's back up on seven. There's constant med changes too. And if you take him for a psychological evaluation and you forget to tell them all the meds that he's already on, well, some things might be symptoms of the medication he's on and they're thinking it's just a symptom of him. So he gets an additional diagnosis without knowing, well, this symptom is actually a side effect of this medication. That doesn't factor into his psychological. It's just a side effect of this med. Remove that. Or he's not on this med anymore and he's doing this. You know, the constant change just makes it harder to properly keep him diagnosed and adds on a bunch of diagnoses that oftentimes end up not being accurate or maybe they were accurate at the time and now they're no longer accurate. I'm of the opinion they probably just weren't accurate from the start. And it just kind of leaves the the poor kid a, a mess and unsure of what's really going on with him. And it, and me as the parent leaves me a little confused because I'm like, okay, well, I'm his biggest advocate and I want to know why are you saying he is this, he has this condition or why are you telling me he needs this medication or he needs this many medications? Why does he need three, four or five different medications to treat the same damn thing? Please explain. And it just kind of keeps going in that little circle and it probably will until he reaches adulthood. Um, or until, you know, I have full, custody and I don't have a worker breathing down my neck and and can just intervene and say, no, this isn't going to happen. Or this is what needs to happen. You know, I always have some assistance with him, but he's just kind of stuck in in this situation and there's just a lot of diagnosis and and a lot of the the psychiatrists or psychologists and whatever that he's seen just want to throw medication at him. And Sometimes medication isn't the answer. Sometimes it is. But medication without therapy doesn't help at all. And during the time period where he lived full-time with me, I had to fight to get him therapy. I had to fight to get meds reevaluated. And I couldn't get them reevaluated while he was with me because I have, you know, his legal guardian, his case manager are butting heads of me and insisting he needs to stay on 
these meds. I have a psychiatrist's office that scheduled him wrong. And then instead of rescheduling him for that same day or finding a way to work him in, it was like, okay, well, just wait a month and come back. And you end up in a, a messy situation where you just kind of can't do anything. You know, you can't take him off the meds because you take him off the meds and he becomes a totally different person because now his brain is unbalanced. But if you leave him on the meds, well, some of them work, but these three over here that do the same thing have now canceled each other out and they no longer work. So this part of his condition is not being treated, but you also can't take him off those three meds because then he goes through withdrawals and then he gets worse. Kind of catch train too, really. So, yeah, that that's the long version of what, why he can't get a consistent diagnosis. There's just too many changes, too many doctors, too many you know moves into different areas of the state for his diagnosis, other than the autism, to be consistent. Okay, so with that, that about wraps up this show, uh, this episode, filled with a little bit more profanity than some of you might think as usual, but if you know me, this is actually kind of light. This is just the way I talk. Um, Definitely already have the next episode in mind, though, so the next episode, episode 11, will speak on being the single friend that all your married and committed friends come to for advice, specifically relationship advice, and the fun times that go along with being that friend that advises people but has been single, in my case, for five years. So that'll be episode 11. After that, not sure what other topics we're going to discuss, but as usual, you know, if you have questions to submit, feel free to send those to me, you know, on social media, use my website, or again, there is that, you know, voice recording option on Anchor, which allows you to record a voice message for me to ask a question, leave a comment, and contribute to a discussion, whatever you feel like doing. And beyond that, uh, I also take in, in all suggestions on topics. What else is something interesting to uh, talk about? Topics are, are kind of open-ended for me. I don't care about the nature of them. The only thing I really don't intend to discuss is politics. Beyond that, pretty much fair game. If you insist on the political thing, it's probably going to be filled with even more profanity, and it'll be a short show. So I would probably have to combine that into another topic or something just to get through it just letting you know feel free to feel feel it's fair to forewarn you that being said i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up though and we will come together for the next episode again that'll be on being the single friend advising the married and committed friends with relationship advice